you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. We started a series called Tabernacle last week, and um, just to give you a recap, I don't know how much you know about Scripture, but um, if you were to journey through uh, from the beginning uh, Abraham was the father of all the nations, you know, and he had he had many sons, right? And and uh, and Jacob uh, had had twelve sons, and those twelve boys became the twelve tribes of Israel. And Israel was the family of God; they were the elect, God's special people. And and as as they grew, uh, they grew in favor. They became enslaved in Israel. Their favor actually kind of imprisoned them. And uh, what happened is they, they became slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt under Pharaoh until God raised up someone with obedience and faith and boldness to step out and lead God's people um, out of Egypt. And he confronted Pharaoh and sin and hard, hard-heartedness and, and called him out and said, my people got to go. And they led through the Red Sea and, uh, you know, the story, Moses parts the Red Sea, the people of Israel walk out on dry land, super rad, and they get to the other side, and all of the people of Israel know God is with Moses, man. We ain't never seen nothing like that. God, the Lord is with this guy. I mean, the plagues, the Red Sea, he goes up on the mountain, and all crazy, he's glowing when he comes down, he's got these commandments, and Moses begins, the Lord begins to speak to Moses, and the people understand, yes, whatever you say, Moses, we're with you. And uh, we'll do it, and, 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 and Moses begins to lead the people to the promised land. But they're in the wilderness. They're not where God has promised them to be. And there's a lot of these people called the Israelites, a lot. And what happens is uh, the Lord wants to create a dwelling place among them, and so they set up what we call the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was essentially a huge tent where God's dwelling would be, and inside that tent was another tent. And inside that place was, the, was, was curtains and curtains and curtains, and, and, and they called it the, the sanctuary, the most holy place. And, and this is where God's presence dwelt. Well, the Lord told Moses that you guys got to go, and Moses begged him, Lord, don't send us if you don't go with us. I'm thankful for a worship team that's like, no, no, we got to linger here for a couple of minutes. Oh, God's, he's not done yet. And, uh, and so what I know is like some of you, this is a special time of the week because you ain't met with the Lord all week. Well, anyways, they're, 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 the people of God are called to go. And Moses says, please don't send us unless you go with us. And so what begins to happen is the Lord's presence would move from the tabernacle. And then they'd say, uh-oh. God's going, we, we got to go with him. And uh, so, yeah, but what do we do at God's house? Huh? I don't know. We can't leave it, so uh, we got to pack it up. And that's the plan today. We got to pack it up. There's a sermon title for today. I think I'm going to call it, pack, this is coming fresh off the dome here. We're going to call it pack, off, pack it up. All right, I, you all would stand for the reading of God's word today. This is a seriously intimidating message for me. I am nervous I have read, reread, triple read, quadruple. I've read this thing a lot. And uh, here we go. For the Lord said to Moses, Do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them in the rest of Israelites. But put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, along with all of its furnishings and equipment. 
For they must, they must carry the tabernacle and all of its furnishings as you travel. And they must take care of it and camp around it. And whenever it's time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down. And when it's time to stop, they'll set it up again. But any unauthorized person goes too far near the tabernacle must be put to death. Yikes. Whew. Aren't you thankful, man? The presence of God is here and we're allowed to stand here today. Come on, somebody. Anyways, so the Israelites did everything as just as the Lord commanded Moses. I think that's the people that I want to be a part of is where everyone says, hey, I'm all in. I don't know if you understand, but God's calling us to do something. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. And whatever God's doing, you want to be a part of it. And, and God moves the best when his people are in unity. I don't know if you know this, but all through Scripture, when there's unity, man, God's presence is there. So when there's unity, God's presence is there. And it says, so Israel did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, oh God, help. Amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. So uh, this press, I have a lot to fit in here today. I'm going to squeeze as much in. And what's cool is this passage has a lot to do with where we are as a church. And there's so much commonality. Uh, one, I love that Moses was 40 years old when he set up the tabernacle, led the people through the Red Sea, and uh, begin to lead the people through the wilderness. I don't know if you know, but I'm 40 years old. This gray, this beard's getting grayer here. Thanks, babe. And uh, and so I'm super intimidated of all the things that God has, and I'm often uh, putting things off. But um, I'm thankful to know where I am today. I'm not Moses. Let me let me make sure you understand that. I'm a wee little man. I'm a, you know I'm not this dude. But what's cool is in this passage here in the book of Numbers. Uh, the Lord begins to ask the people to register all the families. We're doing that as a church again right now. We're coming through our database. And what we realize, we send out emails. We send out all kinds of emails. And so we realize so much of the stuff we send out comes right back to our mailbox. And that's because the info that we have of you isn't right. So if you have an email that isn't uh, what you want to receive emails from, you should text the church a real email. You should text the church your new home address. You should text the church maybe your phone number or just text us every time you come. We want to know who you are. We want to know when you're here. And more importantly, the person who loves Christ sitting here now wants us to know when you're not here and you're not following the Lord. Does that make sense? So when you text us every time you're watching or hearing, we know you're here. And for those of you that are at home watching, I love you. I want to hug you. I want to be close to you. We want to be friends with you. And so while it's, it's so cool that you, we have this ability and this technology, we're meant to do this thing together. This thing is called family. And when God moved, the people moved together in this scenario here, the Lord would say that I want you to get all of the names of all of the tribes and all of the people, and I want you to get all their count. Except for the Levites, I got a special plan for them. When I move, the Levites are going to help me move. I'm going to take you to some cool things here. There's a passage in, in, uh, in chapter 3. Um, nope, I'm going to start over here with some other things. This is a small rabbit trail. Last week I said some things that I, um, I can't believe I'm going to apologize for. Last week I said uh, 
I said, I hate this building. I do hate this building. But I, I, I also do love this building. Why? It was here um, I baptized two of my kids. It was here I prayed in these altars with many people, and I can see the moments in this place where marriages, tears stripped down people's faces as God redeemed couples. It was here God put the idea in our heart when we couldn't pay the rent that we should save $30,000 and build an orphanage. We said, we can't even pay the mortgage. How are we going to do that? And we did it. And a year later, we built a second orphanage. It's been here that some of you in this room right here got married because of this, will you just raise your hand if you got married because of this church? Or in this church? Or I was a part of it? Uh, there's some of you that when your babies were born were dedicated right here on this altar. Can you raise your hand if your babies were dedicated right here on this altar? All three of mine. If you, if you were baptized in this church, would you raise your hand? If your marriage was significantly touched because of this church, would you raise your hand? What I realize is that this church, this building, I hate it. I hate it because of all of the times that I had to realize that it was not big enough and it wasn't adequate enough to do the things that God called us to do. So, you, some of you weren't here when we put all of our kids in the electrical closet <laughs> for months. Anyone here remember that? Uh, we built this place out and built it out and built it out, and it's still too small. I can't tell you how many weeks go by right now where we have too many meetings happening today, and we don't have the space to have them, and we have to tell people that have a vision to do a ministry, sorry, we can't do it because there's no space for you. I can't tell you how many times the altar call, God's moving, and there's second service is starting right welcome to the altar as you're coming in. And people are, are freaked out because they were just arguing in their car. They didn't, they didn't know they were walking into a holy moment. We don't even have a lobby. Can't tell you how many times, like, this, this building, people came. I've heard stories of people said, I visited your church. Great. How did you like it? I don't know. I didn't stay. Because they came and said, oh, no and left. And while I'm thankful for what God has done, this place was never meant to be a church. And I have felt all the frustration over the years of when God was trying to grow us and there was no room. I feel like our church has been like a, a, a geisha, a, a Chinese uh, girl where they have those shoes that are too small. You know, if you, see their, if you read their feet, they, their feet are all weird because they... They, they try, they believe they're supposed to have small feet. So they just put them in shoes that are way too small and they grow funny. And I feel like in a lot of ways we've grown funny because God has called us to go and we had nowhere to go. Does that make sense? Until now. And um, 
it's terrifying. But all through Scripture, God calls people to do things that are completely impossible. It's beyond their reach. It's beyond their ability. It's beyond wisdom. It doesn't make sense. And and this is what we call Scripture, the call of God. It won't make sense. It'll cost too much. We don't have the time, the resources, or the energy, yet we're either going to follow or we're not. And here is where we find the tabernacle. Like, hey, guys, we're going to go. Well, where are we going? I, I don't know. We're going. And we've grown. And so the Lord recently has opened a door for us to move into a new community. Now, what's really wonderful was Amanda earlier today um, opened up by talking about three of the values of our church. She said the word, the Holy Spirit, and relationships. And relationships we're, 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 we're practicing uh, this morning and all through Connect Groups. The Word of God, we're studying it right now. Super cool. Brandy was telling me this, this sermon is going to get... It's going to be long. Um, Brandy was telling me that the, thing, the very thing I'm going to read you here in a few moments is exactly what more than 30 people in our church are reading right now out of the book of Numbers. Love you people. Man, a people that read the word are people. That, that's a church. And so, and the Holy Spirit, man, we're moving in the Holy Spirit. The one we didn't talk about is generosity. We'll get there in the next couple of weeks because don't you worry. We're going to talk about finances. Even though it terrifies me, we're going to do it. And because um, we need $300,000. And I have no idea how it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> I just don't know how it's going to do. I know when I read scripture, the people of Israel were called to be on the wilderness, and they ran out of food. How do I, why? Because 650,000 men lived in one space with no grocery. There's no Publix. You know what I'm talking about? They ran out of food, and they needed God to provide, and he did. And I know he's going to provide. It's what he does. He is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. All right. So um, I'm thankful that he has called us. Uh, but we realize that he's, he's, um, he's calling us to move. And uh, this, this movement, uh, it would be an absolute miracle if we found a way to come up with $300,000 in two months. But it's going to happen. And it's going to be pretty cool because you'll be able to tell your friends, Oh my goodness, God just did a miracle in our church. Not the church I go to. I hate it when you say that. Can I just tell you that? (laughs) This is not my church. It's your church. It's our church. It's our responsibility to build this thing. You'll hear it today. Don't worry. It's coming your way. And so um, it'd be a miracle, but he's in the miracle uh, working process here. And um, Trey was saying yesterday, and you just said it so well, it would be the privilege of a lifetime to build a church. I've never been a part of a community that built a church or said like, well, I started a church. I was part of a church. You're part of a church. But I've never said like, hey, this building right here is going to be a church and it will be a church for generations and generations and generations and generations. And what you need to know is, why is it important that the church grows? First of all, when people say that there's too many churches in Lakeland, I rebuke you. Why? No one says there's too many restaurants in Lakeland. There's a lot of restaurants in Lakeland. You know why? Because people are hungry. And all of those people need to eat. And all of those people need to be saved. There needs to be just as many churches in Lakeland as there are restaurants. Because every night these restaurants are filled. And every day these churches should be filled. And if 
the tribulation happens as we believe it's going to happen, these churches will be filled. Because when people begin to see persecution, they're going to need a place to go where the real presence of God is. And we believe there is something special that is happening in our community. We believe there is something special happening in our community. Amen, amen. All right, all right. You guys are with me. Cool. Uh, Tell your neighbor. Neighbor? No, I'm just kidding. All right. And so... um, what is, uh, what is important here is a passage of scripture about the strategy that Moses, that the Lord gave Moses to move the tabernacle to follow his presence. All right? What we know is that this place is not supposed to, we knew this was not supposed to be our home long ago. Uh, and it, he's finally calling us to go. And when we found the place that is now our home, which is a block away, you can go see it today, all of our elders agreed. All of our financial, all of our staff, or everyone, there was unity. Everyone, yep, this is the Lord. Okay, good. Now, how are we going to do it? Well, here's our strategy. And the Lord gave Moses a strategy. He said, I want you to divide up into four groups. And I want you to move the tabernacle, and all the families will follow. I'm going to divide us up into four groups today. Now, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you. And I'm so nervous to read it because... Some of these names I'm having a hard time pronouncing. And normally I make light of it. But last night as I was reading it, the Lord said, Tim, don't you hate it when you get a call from someone who is a salesperson and they mispronounce your name? Oh, yeah. No, actually, I love it because I know I'm supposed to hang up now, right? Uh, when someone says your name wrong, it bothers you. And these are people that God had put in the Scripture for the reason of us honoring them because of what they did. And I want to make sure that I can have the ability to honor them some 5,000 years after they've done it. If you will, check this out in Scripture. This is really intimidating for someone with dyslexia. Uh, But here we go. Numbers chapter 3, verse 17. Levi had three sons whose names were Gershon, Kohath, and Merit. Mirai, Mirai. Verse 21. The descendants, the descendants of Gershon were composed of the clan descendants from Lib, Lib, Libni. Jesus, would you help me? Amen. The descendants were from Libni and from Shimei. And they were 7,500 males, one month old. Or older among the Gish. Another thing that God revealed to me last night as I was reading this, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't like churches that are big. You may not have liked being amongst the elect called Israel, that is the family of God, that had 650,000 men, and they were the only people of God on the earth. And so I want you to know our vision is to get bigger. As so is the family of God designed. And we want to make sure that as we grow, we grow smaller. Like they figured out the strategies, families growing, we got to grow into groups, into groups, into groups, into groups. And you should be in groups in our church. We've got four different groups. 
We've got connect groups and serve teams. We've got different strategies on how to do these things and how to operate. We want to make sure that you're in a group within our church. Because if you're not, there's a chance that you get left behind. And it's not because we're trying to be rude. It's that we want you to be in our connect groups. It's how we believe you. we will grow spiritually. Am I, am I, am I communicating clearly? Okay. The, um, they assigned, verse 23, they were assigned the area to the west of the tabernacle for their camp. The leader of the Goshenite clan was Eli Asfam, son of Lael. The two clans were responsible to take care for the tabernacle, including the sacred tent with its cover, layers of coverings and curtain at its entrance. The curtains of the courtyard that surrounded the tabernacle and the altar and the curtain at the courtyard entrance, the ropes and all the equipment related to their use. Let me stop there. One of these three families was in charge to make sure that they got all of the curtains around the outside of the tent. Now on the outside of the tent, there was no roof because this tent was massive, y'all. Super long. And they had to make sure that they didn't let the, the, the curtains touch the ground. And, the, and, and this curtain was big. But they had no roof because the presence of God dwelt there. And at night, there was a, a pillar of fire, like a literal miracle, a pillar of fire at night that would let them know God's dwelling was there. And by day, there was a cloud over the, over the tabernacle. So there was no roof on this thing. But one of the clans was in charge of all the curtains on the outside and the curtains on the inside. And they were in charge of all the ropes and all these things and all the handlings. For the, Does this make sense? It was specific. Oh, hey, uh, it's Tuesday morning, 4.30 in the morning. Sound the alarm. It looks like the pillar's moving. The cloud's going. Guys, we got to go. So you got to wake everyone up and break them down. Does this make sense? So uh, verse 27, the descendants of Kohath were comprised of the clans descended from Amran and Isha and Hebron and Uziel, and there were 8,600 males one month old or among these Kohathites clans. Now, they were the most important clan. Listen to this. Uh, they were responsible to care for the sanctuary, and they were assigned the area south of the tabernacle for their camp. The leader of the Kohathite clan and the... Um, Eli Asphon, uh, uh, son of Uziel, these four clans were responsible to care for the ark and the table and the lampstand and the altar and the various articles used in the sanctuary in the inner curtain, all of the equipment related to their use. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest of the sanctuary, administrator over all the Levites with special responsibility for the oversight of the sanctuary. These guys touched everything that was sacred, everything that was holy. And what's really wild is everyone involved in that who were saying these families' names, they all had to be bathed, shaved their whole body, and then dressed in pure linen before anything was touched. 
And this family wasn't even allowed to touch anything that they were moving. They had these sacred poles. And they'd put these poles in all of the golden sacred artifacts. And they'd pick them up. And they weren't even allowed to touch the poles. They had to carry them with their shoulders. There was a training for all these guys to move the gear. Why? Because it was God's house. This was God's dwelling place. And everything was pure and sacred. And we cared about the place where God dwells. I care about the place that God dwells. So when I say that I hate this place, it sounds awful. Because what I realize is this is just a building. This is the place where God dwells now. But I realize that this place has been sacred, and it has been special, and it has been beautiful, but it, we also are called to go, and we got to go. We've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go, but it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be confusing, and it's going to be hard for all of us. Time out. That's like Saved by the Bell style right there. I just did that. <laughs> I want you to know that the, if you're visiting here, this message may seem odd to you. This is um, what I would consider like an inner family living room conversation to those that call this their home church. Um, I'm, putting, I'm having that conversation. See, Israel didn't have visitors. They were the family. And so when Moses got a word from the Lord, that burden was put on the people, and this is what we got to do now. And everyone understood, if we don't, we're going to end up back in Egypt. So we're going with you. The next group of people were called uh, the Mi-Rare-I were composed of the clan descendants from Malai and Mushai. There were 6,200 males, one month old, or older among the Merite clans, and they were assigned of the area north of the tabernacle from their camp. The leader of the Merite clans were Uzela of Abihail, and the two clans were responsible for the care of the frames supporting the tabernacle and the crossbars and the pillars and the bases and all the equipment related to their use. Can you imagine if you were in charge of moving the foundation? Yikes. Um, they were, uh, and so the area, okay, so there was a group that was, that lived in the south, a group that lived in the west, a group that lived in the east, and a group that lived in the north. The other group, there was a fourth group, and that was the, the, the family of Moses and Aaron and, and their sons had the responsibility for the sanctuary on behalf of the people of Israel. And anyone other than a priest or Levite who went too near the sanctuary would be put to death. When Moses and Aaron counted the Levite clans at the Lord's command, the total number was 22,000 males, one month old or older. There were three different there were three different clans, and then there was a fourth group. It was Moses and Aaron, and they were responsible for uh, the ministry in the sanctuary. God is calling us to go, and uh, we believe that we have short time to get preparations in order. This, we have the same strategy. It's going to be a little different. We're trying to set together four groups of people right now within our community. We put it out there on the app this week, and while I've been really excited about a lot of things that happened, my connect group, my outreach team, my prayer team this week, 
all the things that we, I got the ability to be a part of, I was rather disappointed with how the, the, the response. I know that everyone's jazzed up about us going to the other building. But I don't know if you understand that you're, I'm not responsible to get us there. You are. This is your church. Then we're going to another building. And here's what it, what's happening. We need a marketing team. Some of you have done this professionally. You've literally gotten paid to do it. Some of you have just been around conversations and you have ideas on how we can help spread the word. Because all of the funds that we need are not in this house. So if I just bleed you guys dry and say, I want all of your savings account, then uh, that's what Moses would do. I'm not doing that. We're not doing that. That's not the Lord. Let me just tell you right now, that's called cults. We're not doing that. And so um, uh, the other team that we need is uh, we need our uh, fundraising team. Some of you have been a part of some fundraisings. You've just seen it. You know how to do corporate fundraising. You know how to do church. And so we've got a lot of ideas. What we don't want to do is just start blasting fundraising. We want to strategically put them in the right date at the right time to accomplish the right purpose and allow our marketing team to come behind and figure out how we raise those funds. Does that make sense? Marketing, fundraising. The third one is our laborers. Some of you are tradesmen. Some of you have special giftings. Now, according to the city, we can't do most of this work. We're just not allowed. Um, but there are things that we can do, and we can partner with some of the tradesmen's that we've talked to. And so we can paint. We can, we can uh, spray caulking, and we can pull up roots. We can paint walls. We can put carpet in. There's a lot of tradesmen here that have special giftings that if you just let me know, hey, my resources are available, my time is available, and I, I, I'll help. We could save hundreds of thousands of dollars just by utilizing the bare bones that we got. We got some rednecks in the house, amen? And uh, let's utilize it, man. Let's use the old, 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 good old sweat work to build this thing that God is. It's not anyone else's responsibility. In fact, no one else was supposed to build God's house. It was supposed to be God's people all along, amen? And what I'm so thankful for is after this thing is said and gone, I love that Moses told us the people that were responsible for making sure that God had a dwelling place, that 5,000 years later, their names are still remembered. And what I know is that in 160 years from now, the name Tim Broughton is most likely going to be completely forgotten, but the name of Jesus will not be. We found a building that is just a block away that's built out of block that's going to be standing in 200 years, and it will be a church. And what I know is Lakeland is one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. It's going to need churches in a post Christian society where people don't know the name of the Lord anymore and we need to make sure that the next generation and the next generation and the next generation know that they can go to a place to find the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And that won't happen unless God's people sacrifice some things. I'm excited that in 160 years from now, no one's going to know who I am. But I'm excited to know 
That's something that I built that is far more important than my name or my reputation or my social media account will be remembered. And it has eternal significance. Now, here's my concern. As I pray about this, I know that while we've been sowing seed in you and while you've been ministering to me, the enemy has also been at work within our community. So Jesus told a story about a farmer. Can you pull it up with me, Matthew? The story is not exactly about what we're talking about, but tell me if you can't see some of the similarities. Here's another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in a field. But at night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce again, the weeds also grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? The enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out all the weeds, they asked. And he said, no. He replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do that. He said, but let both grow together until the harvest, and then we will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds and tie them in bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. Last week we talked about how there are eternal things that we'll do that will actually have eternal reward. There's a lot of things that right now that I'm spending money on that will have no return that I'm just buying from Amazon. And I don't even realize I'm going to throw away in probably six months from now. But I feel like I need it. And that's because the enemy is marketing you like crazy. We are oversaturated with the feeling that we don't have enough. And the reality is you go to any other country in the world for more than 10 minutes and you realize you've got too much of everything in your lives. We have to figure out how we spend our resources on the things that God is actually calling us to and being intentional about what is eternal while we have time. Because at the end of the day, Jesus says, there's going to be a fire and only the wheat will survive and everything else will be burned. I wonder how much money we're spending as opposed to investing. But that's not even the part that I think about when I read this story. What I think about is how the enemy is sowing uh, tares amongst the wheat. Right now, I'm asking for some of you for your resources, for your time, for your wisdom. And what the enemy is doing is he's complicating your schedule and your insecurities. And he's telling you, no, 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 you have nothing to say or nothing to offer. What? You're not nobody. You're significant to the community that God put you in. We are a body, and we cannot do this without you. This is not me and Teresa's responsibility. It's ours. That God is moving, and he's calling us to go. So wake up. I need you to help me build a church for the next generation. And I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm pumped. And you have giftings, and I need them. And I'm, you're going to hear more about this as you come next week. Actually, next week's sermon is really, because it was supposed to be this week's sermon. Next week's sermon is really good. This one is just to make sure you understand there's four things we need. And I forgot to tell you what the fourth thing was. Golly. This is how I work, man. One, I need, 
I need um, uh, so uh, marketing people. Two, I need uh, uh, um, um, fundraising. Three, I need laborers. And four, we need intercessors. So the fourth group of people that was amongst this team was, Mar- uh, was Moses and Aaron and their sons because their job was to finish all the articles and to minister in the sanctuary. And what I know is nothing happens. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And some of you are like, I got no marketing abilities, I'm broke, and I've got no ability to do anything. I need you to pray. So we, um, we have a prayer shield that is over our staff right now, over our contractors, over, over our permits, over our, our, our laborers, over our fundraisers. And we need you to, yesterday we had more than 25 people right here praying, crying out to God. I need more. 25 and enough. I need you to come and stand on the wall and intercede for me. Because you don't understand how, how, how stressful this is. I mean, this is like not fun. My wife has to deal with me every day right now. You know, for no other reason, just pray for my marriage. <laughs> Second thing right now is um, we, we need, uh, like, like, so if you can't come Saturday mornings, we're going to do an online Zoom meeting throughout the week. Lacey's going to lead a, a, a prayer meeting that just gets online, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe an hour. Who knows how long it's going to be. But we just want to cover this thing in prayer. I believe that prayer changes things. I believe that there's power in prayer. I believe that there's some prophetic things that's going to have to get spoken. If we recognize that we don't have the resources, we're literally going to need manna to fall down from heaven in forms of, 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 of copper, silver, and, and paper and, like, and just deposit into our bank account. Like, we're sorry, Wake Community Church. We don't know how you ended up with an extra million dollars in your bank. We don't know either, but we're just going to accept it, you know, as the Lord would say. Does that make sense? Um, God's moving. We need to go with him. What I know is the enemy is sowing seed right now, telling you that you, you, you can't afford to give those funds. You can't afford, you're not good enough to give those abilities, uh, and you're not good enough to be on any of those teams. And I'm telling you, that's crap. That's not the Lord. You are part of something that has eternal significance. I'm so thankful for our community and what we're doing. And please understand, while that's happening in several months from now, like we may not even be there until December, what is happening is we're meeting in connect groups this week, and we want you to join one. That's the sermon. All right. Hey, would y'all bow your heads and close your eyes? Um, we actually do this thing called teams every week where we focus on knowing God and finding freedom and discovering people's purpose and making a difference. And some of you have God-given gifts inside of you and your work is calling for too much and you've not put boundaries on it. Some of you are on travel ball teams and you're going and people are deciding your schedule and your schedule's maxed out because you've overcommitted to things that is invading the call of God on your life. But you know long ago when God called you, he has a plan and purpose for your life. And I'm calling it out right now. We need it. We can't do this without you. If you're here today and you know that you have made commitments or decisions that are invading the space of the call of God on your life, and today you choose to cut those off and surrender to whatever God is saying to you, here I am, Lord, send me. If that's you, will you raise your hand all across this room? And I love you guys. 
We're gonna talk more about it over the next couple of weeks, what it looks like to surrender to the Lord and this calling to build a house. But Lord, um, what I recognize is that anything I build won't be beautiful enough for you. But I also realize when I look at myself, like how in the world would you take residence in me? I'm not, I'm not worthy of you, but I need you desperately. And I'm so thankful that you love me and that you're committed to me and that you don't give up on me. I thank you, God, for your love for us. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for us. And I'm just asking that your Holy Spirit be poured out. You would cleanse us, forgive us, and give us great grace. We honor you in Jesus' name. How God's people said. I love you guys. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.